Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Romania. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. Second Cherry is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, you, the listeners, you vote for the favourites, your favourites, and at the live event, fingers crossed we have a live event, we will crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest 2020. That's right. Hello, everyone. Hi, Matt. How are you doing this week? I'm really good. Thank you very much. We are... Where are we now? We're sort of into July. I'm trying to work out when we're recording this and which is going up, but we're in July. Yeah. We're still alive at the moment. So, um... That's just about as much as we can um, be happy about. <laughs> that sounds really. That sounds really bad. Still it? alive. Like, we're alive. No, we're good. We're still going, and um, we're still excited by the national final season, which seems like a million miles away now. It does doesn't it? It seems as though a lot of time passed between when we were listening to some mediocre songs <laughs> in languages we don't understand. But here we are, going to mispronounce all the words that we heard back at the start of the year now we are obviously this year we're in Romania as we just said so we are going to jump straight in and talk about the national final Selectia Nationale The Selectia Nationale was held on the 1st of March in Brazil at the Sala Sputirulor and it was a one-shot national final, uh, so we had one artist that was singing all the songs, a little like we did in Israel this year. Um, so there might be some comparison to what we thought of that. Mm. What was interesting this year was that the TV company tried a different approach. Rather than having that approach where you had a multi-artist format, each bringing their own songs, they decided to team up with a record company. So there are parallels really here to what the BBC were doing uh, this year as well, teaming up with a record company and getting an artist. Although, unlike the BBC, Romania give their public a choice of songs rather than having a song written to order. So they got together with Global Records and and tried to find one of the artists who was signed to Global Records and who would be put forward for the national final. They came up with Roxon. Roxon is a Romanian singer who had had a number one with her debut single, Ceti Canta Dragostea, What Does Your Love Sing? And it's a cracking little pop song, actually. Really uh, try and check that out. But she'd also had a big hit um, singing, a song called You Don't Love Me by Sicko Toy featuring Roxon. Number three hit in Romania and uh, followed up by her a number one debut single, uh, as we mentioned there, Ceti Canta Dragostea. So she's an artist that was riding very high uh, in the Romanian public's awareness, and they went for her as an emerging artist, got together a songwriting camp, and came up with five songs for her to sing in the national final. And then the public and the jury got to choose which of those five would represent Romania. Can we talk a little bit about Roxanne in a minute? Rather than during the songs let's do it do it now because 
she isn't a huge star in Romania. I would say you're right. She's an up and comer. She's mm-hmm. she's she's had a bit of success. She's at a number one, and she's sort of seen as this Romania's next star, and you can see why, right? Because she appeals to that current trend, that youth trend. She's got like the darkness of Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. right? There's something there. This is she presents herself as very young, fresh looking, but there's there's something, there's some lived experience there that you can't quite grasp, and and the not quite so polished quality of Dua Lipa, pop quality. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say yeah. that? There's, there's it's not polished at all. Dua Lipa's not a polished. Mm-hmm. She doesn't present as this polished, shiny pop star, and I think this is what Roxanne. Hit. She hits these two very, very on-trend sort of profiles, a risk of mm. better word. So I can totally see why TVR, the, the, the broadcaster, would say she's the one for us. Now, TVR really thought they were onto something with Roxon. They pushed this hard. This was a national final that really meant business. It looks like a lot of money went into it. Songwriting camps, you know, there's additional programming. There's additional programs that ran before this national final, kind of like a preempting, you know, trying to build up some sort of like support. So they were going hard for this, I think. And I, I do have to recognize that maybe, maybe this style of music, maybe this genre, maybe whatever, whatever this artist and the songs aren't really for me. I don't know if they're for you, Monty, but they're not really aimed at me. I'm not the demographic for this, which is why I think this might be interesting to talk about and see how us and our secondary team mm-hmm. reacted to this, really, because it's, it's, it, this is a really interesting episode. I don't know what you think about that. Well, let's find out when we listen to the songs. But before we do, I just want to mention they were also going big on the show this year. So they invited a few artists uh, from Eurovision this year. They had Ulrika from Norway, they had Sandra from Cyprus, and they had Natalia Gordienko from Moldova. Um, and they also had a bit of a mini gig in the middle of the show from Lorraine. Oh my God. Singing five songs, including her three Melodie Festival and songs and her massive Eurovision winner, Euphoria. Um, but it was just really interesting she was they clearly sort of lined her up as a big artist and actually looking on youtube because i looked for the segment again today to watch she's been on other romanian tv shows like the x factor so clearly she she's a personality there they know who she is we'll put a link we'll put a link to this by the way in the show Mm -hmm. notes i think it's worth putting down because it's 20 minutes if you just sit down you'll, you'll you'll see the vibe actually of how she it's a Lorene concert. She really engages. You can tell. When I say this, you'll now know when you look at it. She picks out the people going mental in the crowd mm-hmm. and sings to them. Even if they're like at the corner in the stage, she turns <laughs> away from camera to literally sing at the person. Like she was there for the fans, which I love, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think her catalogue is really interesting. I mean, I love Statements. Statements is... It's a shocker that that didn't get to the Melody Festival in final. It is a really interesting piece of art pop, which I absolutely love. There's much more to Lorene than just a singer. She also sang My Heart Is Refusing Me. That is the song that she was in the year before Euphoria with. And again, a scandal that this didn't get to the final. 
We in some ways, I think it's a better song than you feel. Oh, I absolutely. That's Love absolutely that song what I'm so much. She was our second cherry that year. Yeah. And um, which was a controversial choice in the team because she was uh, up against a Schlager diva uh, par excellence in um, in Jenny Silver um, singing something in your eyes. So it caused a, a division in the team, shall we say. But I absolutely agree with you. My heart is refusing me. Is a brilliant pop song. Can I just let's just let's just talk about Lorraine for a moment. I know this is a Romania episode. I just want to just sidebar a minute because what I love about Lorraine. Now I'm not necessarily into her newer music personally. As you know, I I just got to say that. However, what I do love about Lorraine is that you do not know who the fuck is going to turn up. <laughs> so you don't know what who, what Lorraine you're going to get. You don't know what version of the song she's going to sing, right? And you don't even know when she does stand on that stage and delivers it in that moment, what she's going to do because she changes it. That, that She never does the same rehearsal twice, right? This is what I love. She, she just lives in the moment. Like it or not, some of her songs I'm like, I do not understand. And there's some people don't because there's some people really don't like the fact that, you know, you're not singing the orthodox version of the song. Yeah, I get that. I get that as well. I sometimes I'm like, just sing the song and don't mumble, girl, yeah. don't mumble. <laughs> but there is there is that excitement of her. There's, a, there's something quite magnetic about her as a performer, I think. Yes, she, she is completely nuts. I say that with love, by the way. Mm. I'm not trying to, you know... Uh, but she is nuts and some of the stories I've heard with people who have been behind backstage of her and maybe if you get me drunk on a future episode I might divulge what one Eurovision artist said about her she's nuts there's a future conditional tense that doesn't need to be there with this <laughs> <statement>. <laughs> um, but I don't I, I, I'd rather not but um, she so she she basically had to do her own sound check on stage because she had you know like the sound bell mm. whatever and like she, from the off she was like twiddling the knobs doing the levels I mean, do you know what, though? She's a proper diva, sorry, here, but she didn't give a fuck about it. She was just like, oh, no, you know, this sound is off. I'm just going to do this mm-hmm. while I'm talking to the crowd and I'm singing. And here we go. Oh, you might over there. Yeah, you're bouncing up and down. I'm going to sing this to you. She really, that that is a proper performer. I kind of, you don't really see that at Eurovision because it's all very rehearsed and planned to an inch of its life. But that sort of like, here I am on a Romanian stage with Romanian fans. Some of them were clearly Lorene fans who were yeah. screaming their heads off. And she engaged with them. I like that. And I like that you never know quite what she's going to be wearing as well. So I mean, what some, Lorene's going to turn up? Sometimes barely wearing anything at all. <laughs> but in this, she had some really quite natty... I don't know if they were leggings or boots, but they seemed, if they were boots, they went all the way from the boot right up and turned into a pair of chaps. No, they were. They were those boots, I think, that you pull up and then they sort of drop down and they fold. So they they have a folded boot. Yeah, well, they had that kind of sort of wrinkly bit at the bottom, a little bit like Nora Batty's stockings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a character in a British sitcom who always had an older woman Pops who always had wrinkled stockings on. But she had that, and she had she had sort of ornate headpieces, a bit sort of twenties Art Deco, not unsimilar to what Val was wearing in Belarus. Uh, and then she had, well, she had a flasher mac on. She had like an overcoat, like a, a Macintosh. Yeah, she did. Really she... quite. Bizarre. Yeah. But, yeah, we love her for it. Fuck, I love her so much. But, but, but we're being distracted by Lorraine. Let's get back to the meaty business of the Romanian final. First of all, let's have a little blast of the song that won, Alcohol You. This is the only thing that I can't refuse. The world, but I think 
we're gonna say this a lot I think in the coming minutes upcoming minutes but I just have to say this is very inspired by Billie Eilish and these younger female performers who are singing about songs maybe themes that are beyond their years maybe we'll come back to that but my question to you because I actually quite like this song and I my question to you then Monty did the right song win this national final the obvious song the song she wanted to win won the national final <laughs> there was a little bit of her putting all of her eggs into this basket with this song I think it really felt as though this was the one she wanted the public to pick and so she performed this one the best well, we can we can come on to that maybe. I don't particularly like it though I think the the, the lyrics that really strained, contrived way of getting alcohol you to sound like I'll call you, it just doesn't work for me. There's something, actually, I think the song is too old for her. She's a really young artist, and I want to hear a young artist having fun. I'm not saying that a young artist can't explore dark themes. In fact, it can be quite interesting when they do. But it felt as though the theme of this song was just too old for it. I wanted to be out there living her life, not, you know, singing about some maudlin relationship that, you know, she's going to get drunk and ring him up. The only... Her up. Well, well, the only thing on that, I did... I, I don't know the story, so I'm literally just seeing what I've read online. But she has been in a relationship that got manipulative and uh, I think got a bit dicey. So she's only 20, but she has some lived experience. So it's, we'll get into this, I think, with some of the other songs that are coming up because it's, it's, she's just really interesting to me that she is very young, singing about things that, that we perceive to be older than her years. Maybe that says more about us than us about her. I don't know. Shall we... Should we get into it? Should we? Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So the first song that we're going to listen to is called Storm. This is the song that came second behind Alcohol You. Here's Roxin with Storm. And if your heart is an empty hole, just take a second and listen to your soul. Okay, I'll kick off. You can't say that this is a banger. You can't. But it has a few moments of contrast, like a build-up and then a drop but nowhere near as impactful as it needs to be for a competitive song at Eurovision or in a, in a national final like this. I feel like it lacks that. Like all the songs in this national final, it's a very current sound. This is the theme of this national final, I think. And the staging is great for this. I'll say that much. There is a light, fuzzy touch effect that goes on the screen, which is on every song, by the way, on this, but they use it a lot on this as well. But for this song particularly, there's a backdrop of like an illustration of her face, which I thought was quite cool. It didn't do very much or move, but it kind of just statically sat there above her. 
Um, but it worked for me. I quite like that. And um, out of that illustration come kind of like lightning bolts and electric lines. It kind of gave a bit of vibrancy to the, to the staging. There is a very clumsy key change. Um, I had to go back and listen to it a few times. And it is. I'm right in saying this. It's mid-phrase. It's not at the end of a line. It's literally as she's half singing a note. It changes. It's the weirdest place for a key change. I wondered, the reason why I went back and listened to it was, is it because she sang it wrong? And that change was in the right place and she just sang it wrong. No, it, the, the whole music just changes in a really weird place. Go back, look at the performance that we've linked to. You'll know what I mean. It's She's literally mid-phrase. I think she's saying an ooh and an ah after some words. It's weird. And my final bit on this is that I just want to point out that she's trying quite hard with this. She's got... <laughs> she's trying hard. So, Monty, <laughs> what are your thoughts? I mean, I think you did well to get insufficiently through the song to get to the key change i i don't mind this um there's something which as you said builds quite nicely in contrast it starts very much like a a dark ballad and builds into something a little bit more brooding i'm not particularly keen on what she's wearing she's dressed in like a black pvc catsuit and a lemon shower puff really quite strange outfit but this i think this does show off her vocal ability and this is the thing that's either going to you're either going to like or it's going to get on your tits with the vocals because there's that kind of cracking fragility to her to her voice and i think this is why the comparisons with an artist like benny alish are, are very easy to make but Equally, I could see why that vocal style could be grating. Mm, for sure. I know that within the team, Jodie particularly dislikes this style of singing. And it came through quite a bit into Eurovision this year. And a couple of artists in Roxanne, in um, uh, Victoria from Bulgaria. And I know that Jodie really, really remarked on that as something he found particularly grating. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, and I think this is this is the theme of this podcast is that maybe this isn't for us, but you know, let's have a look. So before we move on to the second song, it's worth just pointing out that Storm actually that was second place that came second yes. in the whole thing. Let's move on to the second song, which is Colors, spelt the American way. I just want to point that out. Colors. This is probably the first song that we've discussed on the podcast that I feel I have nothing to say about. Wow, Monty. There's something which just fails to differentiate this song from others in any way. There's nothing that I feel helps it stand out at all. Um, I couldn't sing you it. I couldn't tell you what was going on in it. It's made zero impression on me. 
Okay, okay. I've got a little bit more to say about this, and this is why. I think the staging is really gorgeous because it's a bit of a throwback. There is a deep red lighting on stage, dark red, right? Flooding the stage. Let's set the scene. Let me try and big this up. <laughs> I'm trying hard, right? Persuade me. Persuade, persuade me. Right. Come on. Okay, because I think I think you would you'll know this now that I've said that. Right. Deep red stage. This red light flooding the stage. There's like a misty mirrored rainbow effect, like we got in the seventies. You know, like seventies pop video, that sort of soul vibe. It had a mistiness to it. With that. You know what I mean by that rainbow mirrored effect? You know, like you talk about like the prism and the light reflects and it has mm-hmm. like that. That is this, there was like this motif on the back, on the backdrop. Really gorgeous vibe, I think. And there was, there's a nod to this. They know what they're doing here because she's wearing this glitter dress, which is very 70s. Just, just simple glitter dress. I think it had a side slightly cut, whatever. It was just very, very 70s. There's a very particular vibe that they're going for with this. And I just feel like it's a really well thought out performance, staging. However, the song just meanders. It is a meandering song. And the worst thing you can do, and UK fans will tell you this, because we're used to this with our Eurovision entries. If you meander and you're bland and you're safe and you're, you know, 12th, 11th place in everyone's rankings, you get nothing. And I feel like this song is bland in that respect staging aside as I've just said from the second minute I'd say you know give it a minute or two but from the second minute you're basically you're ahead of what's happening you know what's going to come it's the same melody it's the same there's no surprises nothing happens I do want to point out though that she does try quite hard with this song (laughs) I think there's an understanding that when you've got a showcase of songs like this it's not necessarily going to be that every song is designed to be a competitive Eurovision song. Yes. Part of what they're doing in this, with the record company backing, is they're showcasing five songs for their artist. They're getting their artist better known. So I think this is the kind of song that you would go into a competition like this with no misapprehension that this was not going to be the winning song. But it's another side it's another view it's another exposure to the artist and I think an artist like Lena from Germany when she came back and had her second go at it she essentially just performed all the tracks on her album in the the German selection show and it was quite shrewd in that way of you know well here's a showcase for my new work so I can see why this could be in there but I just don't think there's anything about the song that's really competitive or memorable or makes me want to like the artist anymore yeah and this came equal third in the vote Mm -hmm. as well the third song that we're going to listen to is called Beautiful Disaster Disaster. 
I've got quite a lot to say about this because I love the start of this song. It's got this, again, you can tell how I'm going into staging. This is probably says something about the song. But look, the staging, it's a beautifully blue background with this silhouette of trees and woodland. And we've kind of seen this motif before, you know, but I really quite like that. It's very dark and sinister in tone. This is probably actually the most Billie Eilish reference in the whole national final because it's got this unhinged nature about it. And the harmonies of this song, I will talk about the song, the harmonies just about work. They're slightly not off key. They're slightly just, it's just unhinged. It's just not quite right, but it is right. Yeah, this is like this this nuance that Billie Eilish hits. You, you're, you're, you're uncomfortable, but you don't really know why. This is what they're trying to do with this song, I think. But the song itself reminds me of actually more of the Amy Winehouse Back to Black vibe. Obviously, it's not as melodic. It's not as, as good as Back to Black. But it's got that vibe about it. Like, I'm spiralling downward, guys, and I'm singing and I'm telling you about it, like, directly. I'm looking at you and I'm singing about how bad things are. I want to make a point, and I want, I want to be very careful about making this point because I don't want it to be misconstrued, okay? Central slash Eastern Europe tends to do this with their younger performers and that is making oh, I hate to say it maybe it, it does tend to be women the, the younger female artists do tend to have this very inauthentic vibe we, we touched on it earlier about singing about a song that is older than them that makes me uncomfortable it with me with my you know western europe very british ears it makes me uncomfortable. She sings, one of the lyrics is about love being a slave or master. And I just don't buy it. I don't I don't buy that she understands that concept. She has had, I think, a problematic relationship. So may, maybe I'm maybe I'm just looking at it through my older eyes. And I have to say this, you know, I'm 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 37, she's 20. I have I have uh, nieces and nephews who are older than her. And just the thought of the things that she's singing, I would never expect my nieces and nephews to sing about this. So maybe that's slanted in, you know, that says more about me than it is about her. That said, I do like the stage. And for this song, this is staged the way it should be staged, I think. And I would just like to point out, she did try quite hard with this song. I I picked up the language, the languor of this. Mm. It's a very, very dark feel to it. But I have to say that for a song called Beautiful Disaster, I felt it was more disastrous than it was beautiful. It just didn't really engage me at all. And I think you make a really interesting point there about the authenticity of the artist. I feel that the artists that she's being compared to, Billie Eilish and Dua Lipa, are much more authentic artists. They are more involved in the songwriting process. There's more integrity in the process, whereas I feel that to get an artist who can perform a little bit like them, but you're shoehorning her into songs that somebody else has written for her, and not necessarily written with her in mind, but just written songs. So I think that's where this all falls apart for me. It just doesn't feel as though 
she is the kind of artist that really sustains some of the acclaim that she has. She's an interesting vocalist, absolutely, but I'm not sure she's engaging enough as an artist. And I think it's really interesting because her first song went to number one. She had a hit with it. It is a really good song. The song that she featured as a vocalist on, a big hit. But if you look on Wikipedia, the rest of her discography, including Alcohol You, the song that was selected to represent her country, none of it has charted. So I wonder if there's a little bit of, not quite the Emperor's New Clothes about her, but there's something where her vocal ability doesn't match the rest of her talent to engage as a performer. Maybe. I find a 20-year-old person, whoever, a tricky age. Because, to me, that is someone very young. But that is an adult. You know, you're two years in adulthood, right? Yeah. So you've, you've got life experience of, of such. I find that really tricky. And I'm, I'm really aware of me as a person making these comments, right? Some of the things that she's speaking about, I just don't believe. And I just wonder whether we're doing her an injustice by not believing that because of our own slant and our own mind, maybe. But do we believe? I mean, I don't. I think we can relate. I mean, I think it's interesting that as I'm a middle-aged man, you're not quite middle-aged, but we there is a generation gap between us and an artist yes. of her age. But I don't think that's the the problem because I can relate to artists who are very young. And I can do that because I believe what they're singing. And I don't necessarily believe that. And I think that is potentially something of the creative process where she is there as an interpreter of a song rather than being one of the authors of it. Yeah, and also we do have to point out that we are comparing her to two of the biggest artists in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know... Billie Eilish can do things that 18, 19, which is 19, I think, you know, she's younger, I think, than Roxanne. She's doing, you know, she can do things that people any age can't mm-hmm. do, right? So Billie Eilish is a proper fucking star. Dua Lipa, again, as I said, she, she managed to pull off this. She hides her insecurities very well. She's very unpolished, but she pulls it off because she knows exactly who. Yeah, there's something in that, actually. Mm-hmm. We're comparing Roxanne to huge world-renowned stars and it's not the age it's about who you are as an artist look at my favorite artist as you know is kate bush and there's something which is so unique of her and when you look at her early songs and how well formed they were and how determined she was and how the vision she had of her own career and how she's managed to map that out it's astonishing and I think it's because there's something so authentic, so unique, so so much integrity about that kind of person as an artist. They know exactly what they want to do with their art. I feel a little bit, and this is maybe unfair to talk about an artist like this, but I just feel as though this is not there. Roxanne can perform, she can sell a song, but I don't think she's as connected to these songs as some of these other artists that we're mentioning. And maybe that is an unfair comparison. I'm happy to accept that. But they are the comparisons that were being made. 
Yeah. Uh, well, look, Roxon's career has flourished in the way that it has because of the likes of Billie Eilish and Dua Lipa, because that's, that's how the music industry works, right? One person from whatever, you know, becomes this huge star and then these copycat, that sounds derogatory, but it's not, but these very similar artists do the same thing from different countries. Like, you know, there'll be an Armenian version of Billie Eilish. There'll be, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- they exist. This, mm-hmm. is, this is how the music industry works. People mm-hmm. want to make money from this, yeah. the sound and, the, yeah. and this look, right? And this is, this is why Roxanne has found herself in this position. But I think you're right. There is some kind of, it's not quite authentic. But go and listen to her songs. Go and listen to her solo single. Go and listen to the song where she's a featured vocalist. They're great songs. Mm. They work for me, even though she's also in those songs an interpreter of the song. They work for me because it feels more authentic. It feels... They're, they're, they're more up-tempo songs. There's, there's more there. There's too much darkness in what they're giving her as this showcase of songs. And that, yes, I accept that's a deliberate choice. That's the that's the artist they're trying to create with those songs. But it, it, it fails in comparison with some of the better songs that she's done away from the competition. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's talk about the final song of the selection. This is A Cherry Red by Roxanne. Cherry Red there, the final of Roxanne's songs making up the Romanian final. This had all of the the hype before the contest. This is the one that it felt more people wanted to win than others. Um, and I think when you hear the song, I can understand why. This is a little bit, bit more upbeat compared to the darkness of some of the other songs. It stands out for me a little bit more than some of the other songs. It differentiates itself a little bit more. There's sort of slightly strange energy to a performance um, until the dancers come on. And when the dancers come on, it kind of lifts itself a beat. But there's something... There's something that feels it's a little bit lacking in this. I don't know. I mean, Matt, I mean, how do you how do you think she was trying in this? Okay, I'm glad you asked, Monty. I just want to point out she tried <laughs> less hard with this song. Now She tried naff all in this song. She gave well, it no energy at all. Let me say this. <clears throat> now I've tempered my view a little bit. I'm trying to be aware of who I am and you know, my comments in comparison to her and her songs and blah, blah, blah. Too late for me. I'm sorry. I have to call this out right here, right now. Okay. And it's more because of the Romanian fans. Let me just say this. Right. Of everyone on that stage during this performance of Cherry Red, there was dancers, you know, she did the least work. Sorry, she did fuck all. Right? I'm trying to be kind here. There's a part... Uh, do you know what? Weirdly, this this follows the... This two weeks ago, we had the Israeli episode where we talked about the song Rakata. There's actually a little bit of this going Rakata, Rakata, which is 
you know, like this mm. phrase that gets thrown around and people pick up on it and stuff like that. It's meaningless in this song. Rakatar means nothing. It's just a bit of noise to fill a gap, right? That's the that's the thing I'm actually that annoys me. But by by the by, whatever. Maybe I'm too old. Whatever. It's pitchy in places, which doesn't help. I don't think that's on purpose. I think genuinely, it's slightly a song that doesn't quite fit her. She doesn't feel it right. But she also doesn't give a fuck about performing this song. This is a song she definitely, definitely killed off. She didn't want to win. I say she, I say she. It's not necessarily her decision to do that. Her team, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about what I'm seeing presented on stage. She didn't perform it like she gave a shit. And I'm sorry, I'm going to end my comments now. If you can't be asked, neither can I. The Romanian Eurovision fans deserve better than a half-assed performance and that's my last final comment on it it did feel as though this song was thrown a bit it did feel as though there was a song she clearly wanted to take to the competition and this wasn't it but it did feel that this was the favorite going in so there there is a perception there is an interpretation that she deliberately underperformed this in favour of the song she preferred. No evidence of that except for what we're seeing. Don't know if there's anything to back up just that perception. So I have to say it is an assertion. But yeah, this for me was probably the best song, but not a fantastic performance. You wouldn't get that from the performance, no way. I'm going to move on because I don't want to get sued or anything. I don't know, nowadays. So... <laughs> Let's lighten the mood, Monty. <laughs> Let's do this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. Yes. Our good thing of the week. That is good. This week, there was news that a Eurovision cafe might be opening up in Husavik, which is now everybody's favourite place in the Eurovision sphere because it is the place in Iceland that the film was set. Husavik. Everybody's hometown. Everybody's hometown. <laughs> so um, I quite I got really excited by this news. I don't know why. I've never been to Iceland and I, you know, but I just a Eurovision cafe based in Husavik. They cl clearly I don't you know I don't know. Where this story's come from, you know, we the there's people in the town who clearly recognise the fact that Husafik having a Eurovision, I don't know, being an epicentre of Eurovision could actually be quite profitable and quite interesting. People obviously want to go to the town. And so when they go there, they want to have a Eurovision experience. That's tourism, right? That's how it works. So... What could you do? You know, what you have a Eurovision cafe, you know, it, it, so many things could happen about the town. I quite like this idea, the potential. I do too as well. I mean, apparently you can have a double trouble cocktail. Um, so, I mean, I'm in for that. Chin chin. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is. It's a really, it's a, it's a bonkers idea, obviously, but, you know, it is a bit cashing in. But if something oh, falls in your lap. Who cares? If something falls in your lap and you can make a connection to it. I am desperate to go to Iceland. <clears throat> I'd never heard of Husavik before. No. But every single bloody Eurovision fan is now going to want to make a detour from Reykjavik to Husavik. And if you're there, 
you're going to go visit this bar and you know who knows what else could open up in the town you know to to capitalize on this to really put Husavik on the map totally Look, i live in london we live in london right we we understand tourism right yeah. right so but uh, i will completely lap this up i am one of them eurovision fans that would go to iceland and there's no way that i'm going to iceland and not going to Husavik. exactly i don't care exactly. i'll go you you know cafe songs people i, I don't care i'll go I am going, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> well, I mean, look at us in London, you know, we'll go to any old trashy Eurovision night. Yeah. All you've got to do is play, you know, play, don't play that song again. Yeah. And we'll be there. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just really, this is a really lovely idea. And actually, this could add to the Eurovision canon of cultural meaning. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. It depends where it's coming from as to whether it's cashing in if this is like somebody with a genuine intention who's a Eurovision fan who spots an opportunity that's not quite as cashing in as somebody who's just a cynical uh, adventure capitalist looking for a cash cow this is but if it's a local who has a burgeoning business Mm. that is a cafe and you know it's tricky because you only get four I don't know nothing about who's I'm not trying to make any judgment but you know, you're, you're struggling to make ends meet and then suddenly you can turn your cafe into a Eurovision themed... I Go for it. I, and I'm there. I will, I will, I will th- rub my money in your face. You can take it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time I've said that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll draw a van over that. So our good thing of the week that is good this week is the Yaya Ding Dong Cafe in Husavik. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. <laughs> so, one thing left to do in this uh, episode, and that is to pick which of these four songs will be our cherry. I think it's no surprise that, you know, we found this episode an interesting episode to talk about. But the songs at the centre of it felt a little bit wanting. Mm. We've chosen the song that we think is the best song, even though we've commented that we're a little disappointed by the lacklustre performance of it. But this is about the songs. This is about championing something which did deserve a second bite. And I think this song is the song that was championed by most Eurovision fans. So this is a song that we feel deserves to be the second cherry and it is well of course it's got our name in the title <laughs> it's cherry red by roxon Can I just say one thing, though? And it's something we've not actually spoken about at all. It's all been about Roxanne. But actually, Cherry Red has songwriters. And it was their moment in the sun as well. So actually, I'm quite pleased that we are selecting a cherry and we're recognising Roxanne as an artist, of course. But the people who wrote this song and, you know, what I'm trying to say is that there's more than just the artist presenting on stage. There's a lot more at stake. So we had to choose a cherry and that's what we chose. So, let's end the episode by saying, 
please say hello to us. <laughs> you can contact us on Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram second underscore cherry, and Facebook. Do you remember Facebook still exists? Second Cherry Podcast. And we also want to hear from you via email, which is what, Monty? Hello at secondcherry.vision. And slightly camper, hello at secondcherry.vision. <laughs> now, I know. Don't say Facebook's cancelled because I can't get used to Snapchat or TikTok or whatever's going to be the next thing that comes no, along as a no. flash in the pan. Facebook, I know you're absolute trash, but I'm still into you. Actually, can we just talk about TikTok is dangerous because if you seen the security settings and how much information it's like next level twitter instagram insta they do not do what tiktok does i'm Trust 49 me. i don't have a tiktok account no it, well <laughs> what <laughs> but i get so many videos from you monty Why do you... <laughs> anyway on that note we're going to say um please email us um because actually is it because you're emailing secondcherry.com because that's not us we're secondcherry.vision vision I take. Can we give a prize to somebody? The next person that emails us with a critique of a song that we've spoken about. Let's say that. Don't just email us your whatever. And also, we get so much fucking junk mail. Um, an actual person emailing us critiquing a song that maybe we've critiqued. Maybe this week. Maybe you like rocks and maybe you don't like rocks and whatever. The first person to do that gets a second cherry mug. There you go. I've said it. Yeah, second cherry mug. They exist. I have one. I'll send it to you. So email us. If there's not, if there's ever an incentive to email a podcast, it's a fucking mug. <laughs> have that. <laughs> right. We really need to send uh, send this to the can this episode and uh, drink some more. So um, it's bye from me. And it's bye from me. See you later. Bye. Bye.